in the scripture reading that Aaron read, we heard about the three women that were standing at the cross. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the wife of Cleopas. Mary Magdalene, who many scholars believe is the sister of Martha and Lazarus. When Jesus hung on the cross, he saw his mother and asked John to take care of her as if she was his own mother. We aren't told the feelings of the mother of Jesus from Scripture, but you can just almost imagine what it would be like. We do get a little bit of a glimpse that Ellen White shares with us, a couple of descriptions about her feelings. The first one that I read says that she had fainted when she saw Jesus being put on the cross and the brutality of being whipped and how she didn't recognize him at first. John had to take her away, take her home, and later bring her back when he knew that it was getting close to the time when Jesus would die. And of course, he knew that his mother needed to be there at the death of her son. It also tells us that when Jesus looked at his mother from the cross, he could see on her face the distress. Oh, how great are the feelings of mothers towards their children. We have some mothers that are here today that are concerned about not only their little children, but their adult children as well. We have some who have sons who have been um, taken over to Iraq in the midst of the war, and you always wonder and you're concerned, will my son or my daughter come back home alive? Will I ever see them again? We have mothers who are very concerned about their children that uh, used to be brought up in the church who are no longer in the church and their concern is, will my son or my daughter be in heaven? I received an email this last week from a mother who's worried about her son. She ended her email by saying, this is not going to be a very good Mother's Day for me this year. The worry that we have for our children, for our grandchildren, can be very intense. That's one of the reasons for the book that we're giving to you is, is the fact that uh, we're concerned about your children and your grandchildren as well as you should be as well too. Sometimes mothers spend so much time in anguish over their children, even their own grown children, that it affects their own spiritual life. Let me give you a biblical example how that could happen. We're going to take a look at another woman who was at the cross. We don't have a lot of what is said about Mary at the time of the cross, but there's another woman that was there, and we're not told in the scriptures whether she ever had children or not, but it still shows us, the, the, all of us, what could happen to us when we get so caught up into our feelings, into our intense feelings about a 
loved one, about a family member, and how it can have an impact on our lives and to even have an impact on our relationship with Jesus Christ. So it can happen between a sister and a brother, a sister and sister, an aunt, an uncle, anyone who has a loved one in their life that they're concerned about. This woman who was at the cross with the mother of Mary was Mary Magdalene. And again, I tell you that many scholars believe that Mary was also the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Look at how the Bible describes Mary. If you would, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And I want to start with verse 37. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verses 37 through 39. Luke chapter 7. And I hope those are pages of your Bibles turning and not the book that we gave to you. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." John chapter 12 tells us the same story, gives a little more detail, but informs us the name of this woman, that the name of this woman was Mary. Now we read here twice that she was called a sinner. It was, uh, it's used in the Greek to imply sexual sin, most likely prostitution. This woman was a prostitute. We know from scripture that Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, came face to face with Jesus, look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. John 8, beginning with verse 1. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their, own, by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one but the woman... He said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? 
And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The same word that's used for sin was the same word used for Mary. I wonder how she felt when she was thrown down in front of Jesus. Many believe this was Mary Magdalene that was thrown down in front of Jesus. What did she feel? Was she humiliated? Was she full of guilt? Low self-esteem? But when she was forgiven of her crime by Jesus, forgiven of her sin, who, who knew that she was a sinful person, that knew all about her, and yet he was showing to her love and, com- and compassion, I can almost imagine that her feelings turned to trust, relief, and acceptance. She was being accepted by the Lord. She, she now began, she didn't trust any man before that time, but now she's trusting in a man. The man's name is Jesus. And the relief, the fact that he didn't condemn her, but that he accepted her the way she was. On another occasion, Mary again is at the feet of Jesus, this time basking in his presence. Go back to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. Now it happened, as they, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Martha is in the kitchen working away. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word that he he is allowing to flow out of his mouth. Here the emotions are upbeat of Mary. She is, she is engrossed in what he has to say. She is full of joy and contentment to being at the feet of Jesus. Here is the man who has accepted her. Here is the one that has forgiven her. Here is the one that I can trust. And so everything that he says, she wants to hear. She's drinking it all in. Notice that while she's at the feet of Jesus and enthralled with every word that's coming out of his mouth, her feelings being upbeat for she has found the one thing that is needed. Do you know what that one thing is? Jesus says it's the one thing that is needed. My Bible tells me in my in my uh, uh, notes here, it says to look at Psalm 27. So let's look at Psalm 27. What is this one thing? Psalm 27, beginning with verse 3. Psalm 27, beginning with verse 3. Verses 3 through 5. Jesus says there's one thing that is needed. What is that one thing? Psalm 27, beginning with verse 3. Starts out, it says, Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion, in the secret place of His tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon the rock. What is the one thing that is needed? It's the Lord. It's the trust in the Lord. It is the fact that I trust Him so much that no matter what trouble I find myself in, He's going to be there to help me. No matter what situation might be happening around me, I have the confidence of knowing that He is there. I have the confidence of putting my trust in Him that I don't know how it's going to happen, but He's going to give to me the gift, the greatest gift of them all, the gift of eternal life. So David is saying that as long as he keeps his focus and his attention upon Christ, even though things are going bad around him, he has peace, he has confidence, and he has great faith. Isn't that what he's saying? And that's what Mary was experiencing as she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She has confidence in him. She has great faith in Him. She has peace of mind. It's as if the world has melted away, that her problems are gone because she has Jesus. This is the secret of great peace for mothers and for everyone else. This is the secret of great happiness when we're concerned about our children, when they're going through rough times. The focus of our attention needs to be on Jesus. Jesus is our rock. Jesus understands. He's the one that we can go to with our problems. We can go directly to Him in the temple. And we can be confident that He will help. Our hearts will not fear. Our hearts are content because no matter the situation we find our children in, no matter what they're going through, Jesus understands and He's not going to leave them alone. You would think that Mary Magdalene now, sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking in the words, full of confidence, full of joy, full of peace, that she could live happily ever after, like in a fairy tale. You would think that everything would be okay with her and that she would never ever be depressed again, right? Wrong. Not too long after this episode, Lazarus, Mary's brother, got sick. The sisters sent word to Jesus to come. They knew that Jesus would come right away and Lazarus would get better. But turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11 and verse 6. Like in anyone's lives, bad things can happen. John chapter 11 and verse 6. John chapter 11 and verse 6. So when he, that's Jesus, heard that he, Lazarus, was sick, he, that's Jesus, stayed two more days in the place where he was. Was it the fact that Jesus didn't go to Lazarus because he didn't know anything about it? 
Jesus had time to go. Jesus waited until Lazarus was dead before he returned. Could he have gotten there in time? Yes. But he purposely tarried and waited. Now let me ask you something. How would you feel if a close relative of yours was really sick, deathly ill, and there was one doctor who's in the hospital who is the only one in the hospital that could heal your loved one, that uh, 99% of the times that person can be healed, this guy knows the specific problem, and he can come in. He's in the hospital, but he's down in the lunchroom taking a break, and you call for him and you say, My loved one is dying. You're the only one that can heal my loved one. Please come and be in the room and take over. And he says, no, I'm not going to. I haven't finished my veggie bologna sandwich. And I need some fruit to go along with it, so I can't come yet because they're going to bring me in some special fruit, so I've got to wait until that gets here. And I've got to wait for the drink there. They're heating up the drink in the back room, and I just can't come. I'll get there in due time. And he tarries, and during that time, your loved one dies. How would you feel? How would that affect you? A specialist who could save your loved one, and he refuses to come. He, he tarries too long. Wouldn't you feel resentful? Wouldn't you feel angry? Wouldn't you feel confused? Why? Wouldn't you be depressed? Notice something about the story of Lazarus. Go to John chapter 11, beginning with verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now go down to verse 27. She said to him, she said to Jesus, this is Martha, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I want you to notice something. Martha met Jesus, went to him when she heard that he was coming. Martha left the house and went to him. Mary stayed home. The one who earlier had hung on every word of Jesus, who put her trust and her faith in Him, was so full of joy, now purposely stayed home. The man she had trusted and believed in is now one that she cannot trust in. Did he reject her? Maybe their whole relationship had been a mistake. Maybe you can't trust Jesus to do what you want Him to do. 
Sometimes our ears are so deaf with the anger and the emotions and the grief and the pain that we are feeling that we can't hear, see, or feel the presence of Jesus. Sometimes we allow our our negative emotions to become so great that it blocks out the very presence of Jesus that is with us. When Jesus calls us to come to Him, we don't want to come to Him because He's disappointed us. He didn't do what we think He should be doing. And so we stay home and we pout and we wallow around in our negative emotions and we get angry at the One who created us. Sometimes we feel we know the answers and we push aside the only one who knows the end from the beginning. Did you notice also that Martha went to Jesus? But where we read in verse 27, she is affirming her faith in Jesus Christ. That's the key. Affirmation and trust in Christ even at times when it appears like He is at fault. This is what's going to give us hope in the time of great trouble. Jesus tells Martha now, says, I want you to go back home and I want you to tell Mary that I want to see her. And so Martha goes home and says, Mary, Jesus is here. You need to go see him. And Mary comes to Jesus. And once again, we see her at his feet. But this time, things are a little different. Look at John 11, beginning with verse 32. Verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Mary repeats the Martha's earlier complaint. Lord, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. But unlike her sister, Mary doesn't affirm her faith in Christ. Martha does, but Mary doesn't. In the time of great emotional anguish, she is angry at Jesus. She is not going to affirm her faith in Jesus. It's His fault, and I don't want to be around Him anymore. I am resentful, I am insecure, I am raging with inside with a sea of turbulent feelings. That lack of faith along with her, her tears of disappointment made Jesus groan and was troubled. But notice that Jesus doesn't walk away from Mary. Her feelings do not in any way cause him to change his course of action. Because even though she is rejecting him, he still raises Lazarus from the dead. He still carries out his purpose. Why do our emotions have such a powerful effect on our spiritual life? Do you want to know why? It's because our nature is absorbed in self. Mary 
wanted Jesus to be there to raise her, her brother from the, before he died, to give him life. And when he didn't do what she expected, she began to look at herself and her feelings. It's because of our nature, it's because of the fact we are absorbed in selfishness, that's, uh, that's what sinful nature does, it spends time reflecting on the dark side of our lives and consumes so much with our needs and our feelings that we forget about the one who has promised to be there. Have you ever visited someone in the mental hospital? I've had occasions to go many a times to go visit church members who have been uh, taken to either a mental unit of the hospital or in a state mental institution. And when you go in there, if you listen very carefully, if you listen to those that are around you, every sentence when they speak is centered on I. I am depressed. I want out. I feel bad. I need more medication. I want to see the doctor. I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay. That's the very essence of sin. A self-centered person will always be a prisoner of his or her own emotions. And if you are a prisoner of your emotions, you push away the very one who has come to help you in your situation. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is affected. And you will walk away from Him. And you'll stay in your home in bitterness and great pain. And the one who has come, who calls you, come unto me and I will give you rest. I will help you through your emotional time. I will see you through these situations. We push him away and we say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You didn't do what I expected you to do. If you talk doubt you will have more doubt. If you talk discouragement, you will have more discouragement. If you, if you talk about how you are disappointed in Jesus Christ, you will walk away from Jesus Christ. But the reverse is also true. If you talk faith, you will have more faith. If you talk thankfulness, you will have more joy. Because... In our time of trouble, our focus must be on Jesus. That is the one thing we must have. Amen. He will get us through every situation that we find ourselves in life. He will help our children even if they're grown and they're going through times of trouble. He will be their God. He will do what He has come to do. He will do everything to save our children and our grandchildren. Do I trust Him enough to be able to say, God, here is my children. I trust that You will do what is best. Or do I stay in my home and I say, Oh Lord, why have You left me? Why are You not listening to me? Why do You leave me alone? Why, why, why? Mothers, I know the concern you have for your children, your family, because I have the concerns for my children and my family. No one is in more tune with the sufferings of their children than a mother. 
There can be a whole church full of crying babies, but a mother hears her own child and recognizes their cry. They are so in tune with them. They are so concerned about them. They love them so much. But learn the lesson from Mary. When you focus on the pain of your children and you begin to question God's ability and His poor timing for what you think is best for them, your faith will falter. Do you want to be a good example for your children? Teach them and show them your faith. You will have great faith in God no matter what situation. You have to be able to reveal to them that He is the rock of my salvation and He is the rock of your salvation. When they witness your faith through rough times, they will learn from that and it will help to increase their faith. But if you sat there and you complain and you groan about the church, if you sat there and complain and groan about God, if you wallow in your own feelings, if you say, I, 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 you're no better than the devil himself when he was kicked out of heaven. I want to be like the Most High. I want to tell God what he's supposed to do. But when he doesn't do it, he's no longer going to be my God. Is that a witness of faith? It'll never work. You've got to establish your faith by focusing your attention upon Jesus. I've spoken to enough mothers that tell me the greatest mother day's gift for them is to know that their children will have the gift of eternal life. If that is your greatest desire, teach them by your example. They're never too old to learn from you. Teach them by example how to live Saved by grace through faith. And how you know that because Jesus lives, you can face any situation that might come your way because He is your Savior. And they will stop and listen and learn. Let's turn in our hymnals to hymn number 526. 526. We stand together as we sing, 526.
Because Jesus lives, O oh Lord, we can put our trust and our faith of you with our children and our grandchildren. For you love them just as much as you love us. Help us to keep our focus upon you so that we might be the best example for them. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.